a lot of times it burnout manifests because you just hold a lot of stuff in your head. For me personally, I think a lot of times when I do, when I'm just thinking and I'm like, I know I have a million things to do and I don't even figure out the size and shape of it. It's almost like you're too burnt out to figure out how burnt out you are. <laughs> um, I definitely, I definitely get there. I'm Chase with the uh, Support Ops Hangout. This is a show that helps you deliver a better support experience to your customers. Now, we've got some of the best support pros in the business, and uh, two of the three of those are gone this week. Jeff's out, Carolyn's out, um, but I'm here. The other great Chase is here, Chase Livingston from Automatic. How are you? Hey, doing well. Glad to, I guess, be here. Everybody else bailed on us. Uh. Yeah, it's okay because we've got a very special guest, which I'm excited about. Uh, Camille Acey joins us on this one. So, Camille, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's exciting. I didn't realize Jeff wasn't going to be here. I'm kind of sad. Yeah, he bailed on us. It's fine. You're better. We, we would rather have you than Jeff anyway. So. I'm very effervescent. <laughs> now, uh, for folks that don't know you, can you kind of tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Uh, I'm VP of Customer Success at Clubhouse. We do a project management tool. Um, I'm not going to duke it out with Chase here. There's really <laughs> enough in the world for many types of, of beautiful uh, project management tools. But yeah, I've been there for almost two years now. I manage a scrappy team and we do a lot of all hands or what I like to call some hand support with our developers. And um, I've been working in tech and customer facing roles for about seven years now. Some okay. hands. I like that. I'm, oh, start... I'm, in, I'm in New York. so Yeah. We're going to bring you back for a whole show on some hand support. Oh yeah. 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 I don't want to hurt anything. <laughs> I have to anonymize stories. Of that. <laughs> Yeah. So for folks that um, have, weren't at Subconf last year in New York City, Camille did a fantastic talk. Um, it was one of those that has regularly made its rounds around the Sport Team here at Basecamp. Um, I keep just uh, recommending it as much as I can whenever the topic comes up. And so for this show, it was kind of a natural. Like as soon as we decided on the topic, I was like, mm, Camille, we're going to get her on the Aww, show. Thanks. So yeah, we're going to look at uh, burnout for this episode, how it happens, and more importantly, how you can help your team both manage and prevent it. Um, so uh, Camille, we're going to give you the, the start on this one. Um, how does, so we, when we talk about burnout, there's kind of this like very wishy-washy, like ethereal feeling. Like we, it's almost like that old uh, Supreme Court uh, justice who said you don't really can't really define porn like you know it when you see it you know yeah. uh, burnout's kind of the same way like I, I feel that at times but for people that um, don't know what that feeling is like or really don't know how to put it into words like how do you know um, for you like what burnout is what it looks like and how how do you know when you're close to that edge yeah it's a great question um yeah, I think for different people it'll definitely manifest in different ways but I think generally that feeling where you just can't do more of what you need to do and you just almost don't know you're scrambling sort of and and the to-do list is tremendous I, I find a lot of burnout um a lot of times it burnout manifests because you just hold a lot of stuff in your head for me personally I think a lot of times when I do when I'm just thinking and I'm like I know I have a million things to do and I don't even figure out the size and shape of it it's almost like you're too burnt out to figure out how burnt out you are. <laughs> um, I definitely, I definitely get there. So I think that's usually what it is. And I, I also, you know, just physical things too: lack of sleep, lack of the stuff, you know, that's like really constitutive to you. If, you know, you know that normally working out is part of your regular routine and what keeps you feeling energetic. And you're like, I haven't been able to do this in weeks. I think there's definitely a chance um, you might be burnt out or on your way to burnt out. So just dropping a lot of stuff that's really crucial to you. Also feeling like you're doing a lot of stuff that's not, kind of what you want to be doing. 
mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think is uh, another really identifying uh, characteristic of burnout. Yeah, Chase, do you think that's kind of along the same lines of, of how you've ran into it before? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, as Camille said, I think it's a lot about um, each individual person and um, how that manifests itself and also what, you know, burns somebody out. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people who can do, you know, a hundred tickets a day, every day uh, till the end of time and they wouldn't get burned out on answering user questions. Um, you know, for me, obviously I in, enjoy answering users questions and stuff or I wouldn't be in support, but I also enjoy, you know, some of the other aspects um, that the things that we get to do, um, you know, some of the like testing and, and QA kind of stuff that we get into and, and things like that. So for me, you know, to avoid, you know, getting burned out, I like to have my hands in a few different things and, and sort of you know, mix and match my days uh, depending on how I'm feeling. Um, but that's not the same for everybody. So that's something that, um, I think especially managers, team leads, that kind of thing have to sort of watch out for to see if their, um, you know, direct reports and and their support team are are getting burned out and you sort of have to know each individual to know, um, what they should be doing and how, um, you know, they're, they're acting, you know, just all those cues that, that as a good manager, you should pick up on to, to assess the health of your team. So how do you do that if you're remote, like automatic S? Like, how, how are you picking up on cues? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, a lot of it has to do, I mean, we have one-on-ones with our team leads. And so um, a lot of that is up to us to bring up with our, our lead, um, you know, if it's something that we're feeling. But also I think, um, at least for me, you know, sometimes if I'm feeling, you know, burned out on tickets at a particular time or something like that, a lot of times my um, – you know, the number, the amount of tickets or the, you know, the quality of the replies may drop or something like that. And, you know, if I'm not, you know, recognizing that myself, my team lead's definitely going to pick up on that. If she's, you know, looking at how many tickets I'm doing every day or, or seeing, you know, replies that could be better, you know, things like that, um, that, that happen just naturally. Um, and I think also just, you know, keeping in touch with your team members, not just through a one-on-one, but just in their normal everyday interactions with a remote team. I think you can um, sort of pick up on things if you know how a person normally responds to something or normally, you know, treats a situation. And if it's a little bit off or something like that, then it might be time for a, you know, a, a chat or something just to see what's going on. If there's, you know, if whether it's burnout or whether there's something else going on in their life, I mean, it could be any number of things, but I think that's a time when a good conversation can always help uh, remote or not. Yeah. Now, one of the things with burnout that Camille's talk kind of led me to was this. So there's this burnout inventory, which I thought was really cool um, from social social psychologist Christina Maslach. And she outlines kind of six big things. One of them we talked about work overload, right? Like that feeling like there's just too much going on. Um, Lack of control, insufficient reward absence of fairness, conflict in values, and then lack of community. I'm going to make sure I put a link to um, Camille's article uh, that mentioned this along with the talk and the inventory. Like we're going to make sure you have all those. So like you don't feel like you have to like write all that stuff down right now. Um, But Camille, one of the things I found interesting was that lack of control was kind of at the top of the list here with these. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And that was like at first I was like, Oh, when I think burnout, I think it's just too much. It's just too much work at the moment. Like I've said yes to many things. I've taken on too many commitments, like whether it's work and life and all that, like there's just too much going on. Um, but that lack of control was really interesting. You kind of touched on it a little earlier when you said, you know, one of the things like missing going out to the gym, like you didn't have control to make that choice to go to the gym. So how do you think, um, like, how do you, 
Mm, sorry, I'm trying to figure out a, a good way to phrase this uh, in my head. Uh, what's, a, what's a couple of different ways that if I'm a team lead, I can help put some of that control back in the hands of that person? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I have been onboarding um, two people onto my team. Um, they've been both of them have been in for about two weeks now, and you know I'm thinking about that a lot in terms of what I can delegate to them and what I can give them. Um, you know, I, I brought somebody in, and I knew um, one of the highest things I was focused on with this person was them taking taking leadership in terms of the support aspect. And as a head of customer success, I'm responsible for. A kind of a, a swath of things, support, marketing, sales, um, partnerships, things like that. So I'm really trying to get sort of some capos in. Um, so really, you know, I, for me, I've been turning stuff over a little bit earlier than I'm comfortable with, you know, and I think that's been, I'm going to see how it goes, but I'm really excited about it. I've definitely seen a couple different models of that in my career, some people holding on the reins too long. And other people kind of trying to be courageous and um, turn over the reins earlier and, um, just tell people, you know, if you if you stumble along the way, like it's not a bad thing, and I'm here for you. Um, you know, I'm a mother too, so I think that <laughs> that definitely comes through in terms of like, you know, try and ride this bicycle, like I'm right behind you, and um, you know that. I think people having that confidence that if they stumble, you'll um, you'll catch them as opposed to being micromanaged or that they have to prove that they're good enough to get to that point where they earn like a, a little bit more control. Um, is, 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 uh, can be challenging. So that's, you know, I'm experiencing, you know, I'm like super, I'm a a leader and I'm a alpha kind of person too. So I think it's, it's almost like a spiritual thing for me, like, and, and a kind of flexing a a new muscle, building a new muscle to try and, um, turn stuff over. Cause you know, I've built out this support, um, apparatus in the organization and it was kind of me and the, my some hand support thing. And I felt very in control of all the tentacles of support and, you know, minding every ticket and every response that went in and kind of tuning things myself and being able to let that go um, and let someone feel a strong sense of ownership. Um, I think I'm, that's my attempt at trying to preempt burnout where that person feels like, you know, I'm in charge of this and I know I can get support when I need it as opposed to I'm being super micromanaged and I don't know kind of when I can speak up and when I can kind of put my, you know, stick my neck out. So that's, that's my vision for now. I'd love to hear from the two of you in terms of how to, how to manage that with direct reports. Yeah. Trust is really key in there. Um, That was one of the things, Chase, if you remember like when we read around, uh, turn the ship around, uh, one of the the examples in there that the um, the submarine captain was talking about was that, so the submarine was coming into port, and as part of that, there were certain markers along both sides of the uh, the river right there that kind of indicate where you want to turn right so like as the ship's coming in you 've got to be able to turn at a certain point, otherwise like if you don 't do it at the exact right time you 're going to get out of the channel, run aground, and all sorts mm-hmm. of bad things will happen um, so the captain was telling the story of um, this junior officer was. Uh, had control of the boat and was um, bringing her down the uh, the channel and had to make this turn at the right moment. And the captain felt like he was waiting too long. Um, and the captain, this is that, that trust thing, that control thing, right? Like moving decision-making back toward them rather than keeping control of it for yourself. He, he said he, um, Basically, like there was this anxiety building up in him that he, the, the guy was waiting too long, like the boat needed to turn, the decision was getting made, he was ready to step in and, and uh, you know, say, hey, just turn it right now. Um, and then the, um, the officer that uh, had control decided 
now we're turning the ship like this moment. Uh, the captain asked him later on, like, why did you wait so long? And he said, well, you know, we were figuring in the current that was coming out, the wind that was coming off the land. Like I felt at that moment that the best decision was to wait a little bit longer than we normally do because we were going to get a better curve, better turn when you factor in all those conditions. Um, and it's, it's like you said, it's that trust, right? It's like, I, I know this is going to get done right if I do it. Yeah. But at the same time, you can't do everything. You can't be in all those spots like you mentioned. So you have to have that trust. And, and turning over that control back, it's, that trust is a big part. People are going to make mistakes. That's fine. They're going to learn from those and, and grow from there. Um, Chase, is that kind of like, you know, that, that, that control back? How does automatic team leads deal with, with moving that control back and, and making sure that each person has that, that ownership that Camille talked about? Yeah, I think that's very similar. And I mean, um, just the, the sort of the culture at automatic is very, um, easy as far as that goes. I mean, even with our trial process and things like that, you know, when, when a new trial, uh, happiness engineer comes on, they, you know, get the ability to, you know, refund purchases from day one. It's not, I mean, you know, they go through some training and stuff like that, but like we give them the power, you know, every happiness engineer has the power to, um, you know, decide like, Hey, this user had a, a tough time. I'm going to give them this upgrade for free uh, and just refund the money they paid just because it was such a hassle, you know, just simple decisions like that. Um, I think, you know, along with, you know, the decision uh, and delegating the tasks that team leads and that kind of thing may have to do. Um, I know that's something that, um, you know, the team leads that I've worked under while I've been at automatic, uh, have, have dealt with as well as the team grows. And as, you know, we get more and more responsibility, that kind of thing, just, you know, sort of stepping back and it may not be that they need to be, uh, you know, answering tickets day to day. It might be that they're, um, my team lead, Ann likes to say a force multiplier where she's, um, you know, doing things to try and help out the rest of the team so that we can then, you know, accomplish the goal and, and get users the, the best answers we can. Um, whether she's, actually doing it or not. She's, you know, obviously fighting for us and getting us the uh, information and the tools and that kind of thing that we need to do the best job that we possibly can. And, you know, um, I, I, um, I haven't read Turn the Ship Around yet, but I'm definitely going to. Um, I, I heard you talking about it in previous podcasts. Uh, but also just thinking about, you know, working on a ship, being in, in the military and spot checks too. That's something I try and do. I've been trying to do is just, you know, not run like a fine tooth comb over all um, of my direct reports work, but every once in a while check in and um, just leave a little comment. If they respond, you know, respond to something really well, or if, you know, there's just, just so much to know when you start in a new org, there's so many norms you don't have. And just being able to take a, a spot check and, and dive into a ticket and say, hey, you know, I see you responded to this, but I just want you to know this other aspects so that'll help you so the next time this comes up. And it's always, you know, I try to do it in the spirit of, you know, I just want, this is part of continuing to onboard you into the organization. Mm -hmm. Nothing you did was wrong, you know? So just always kind of keeping that at the forefront and saying, here's just sort of a spot check and you know, I'm, I'm dropping in. I saw this ticket and I just want to let you know this extra piece um, and, and never like, don't do this or don't do that. Cause I think that even if you sort of deputize people, if you start doing this other kind of micromanagement thing, um, it's, it's only sort of, they're only deputized, they're deputized to name only, you know, so really kind of giving a lot of latitude and, and letting those, those check-ins, those spot checks really be about, um, helping them grow in their position. Yeah, I was, so one of the other things 
that popped up. I was reading one of Shep Hyken's books. And I've got, I'll find the name of it for the, the podcast notes. But he talked about your employees should have this. Um, the acronym was fun of all things. He said that that the role, ha- the job has to be fulfilling. It has to be unique, and it has to always present the next challenge. I love um, that. And when you've got that, then it's it's a good way to prevent burnout. Like if those three things are being met, then there's there's a good chance you're going to prevent it. And even if it even if it does start to happen, then you can kind of manage that and pull them back into this kind of fun setup, um, fulfilling, unique, and always with the next challenge in mind. Um, and that's so hard sometimes, right? Like a lot of, so a lot of the, of our listeners that, that I get to talk to talk about, you know, I'm a small team. I've got three or four people maybe. Um, at that point, like there's always, I say there's always the queue, right? Like there's always the next customer waiting. Um, and, it can kind of be tough, like Chase mentioned, if you're doing, you know, if you're talking with 70, 80, 90 different customers a day, some people are going to find that fulfilling. Some people are going to be like, oh my God, like, when does this stop? Like, what, what's the next thing? And that's when that kind of out of control feeling can start happening in there. Um, so Camille, what's some of the ways that you make sure, like when you're doing these spot checks and when you're doing these um, one-on-ones with, with your team and all, what's some ways that you make sure that they're, that the role that they're in is actually fulfilling them and giving them kind of a purpose for that job? Well, one of the things uh, I'm, I'm working on right now is trying to set some goals mm-hmm. um, and, and really let that be driven, that sort of fun that you, I love that acronym, um, be, you know, originate with the, with the direct report, you know, and, and them thinking mm-hmm. about where they want to go. And, you know, I unfortunately have struggled to find um, sort of managers for me that, and it may also be because I'm just a very driven person, but like that sit down and say, what do you want to do? Who do you want to be? And how is this career going to get you there? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to start from there in terms of like, where do you, which muscles do you need to build? Um, I'm using a lot of gym analogies <laughs> this morning, um, but yeah, which, where, where do you, where do you want to get stronger? And then I, you know, it also helps. And I, I build from this too, you know, when I'm hiring the person, I'm starting to observe the person, what, where they're good, what, where they've worked before you check those references. People say, here's, you know, they're, the sun rises and sets on this person. And you're like, it's one thing they could work on. Give me a couple of things they could work on and being able to incorporate mm-hmm. that into the onboarding. And as you get to know the person and you, you, you see where they could stretch, like, you know, get them to start the conversation. There was a great post um, with somebody at Intercom recently about just being, a, being in management and um, doing good one-on-ones and stuff like that. And they were like, you know, let the one-on-ones, let them lead the one-on-ones, let the reports lead the one-on-ones. And if you've got stuff you want to talk about them, definitely, you know, have that on the agenda, but let the agenda really be dictated by that, that direct report. And then, you know, the dialogue can flow from there. So that's really what I'm thinking in terms of um, how to keep it unique, how to keep it next. You know, like you said, some people are happy in the queue. I know for me, um, I have my days <laughs> where I'm, I love the queue and other days where I'm like, get me out of this queue. Like I actually no. created a meme the other day that was like the, the, one of the characters from stranger things. Like there was been pulled into like this monster thing. And I just felt like, <laughs> I need to get out of the queue. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, cause, you know, I have a lot of other passions. I love, I love writing. I love talking to customers, just actually, you know, getting on a Google hangout or doing a user interview um, or going to uh, customers' offices if if I can get over there. So I need to. Those are 
all those like sort of boxes I need to tick to feel like mm. I'm fulfilled in the position. And uh, just, you know, a full queue it definitely means business is, is booming and things are good unless stuff is broken. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely a blessing and I don't want to look at it, you know, as, as otherwise, but I think understanding the direct report, what makes them fulfilled. And then, you know, those, those regular updates of like, you know, six months ago, you said like sitting in the queue and just making customers happy, maybe happy. Is that still, mm-hmm. is that still what's right for you? Or are there other pa- parts of the organization you want to contribute to as, as a, a matter of philosophy right now, I am leaning towards like a, like a 80, 20 split where any body doing support has at least 20% of something else. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think your head's down in the queue. There's so much going on in any organization, even a small organization. It's, it's to your detriment. Like you, you can, even if your greatest joy is, is supporting a customer, um, you'll only be better at that by engaging in the rest of the organization by, you know, sitting in maybe on a engineering meeting that you think, I don't even know what this has to do with me. And then getting in there and being like, oh, wait, like customer asked about this last week. Oh, it's really cool to be sitting here or just understand how the rest of your organization ticks. So sometimes when you don't get a, uh, a request fulfilled really quickly, understanding like, oh, they've got all this other stuff on their plate. So mm-hmm. really, really trying to think all that through in terms of how to keep a balanced day for, for my direct reports um, where they're really kind of getting their uh, all their vitamins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just keeping with that gym health. metaphor. Yeah, keeping the gym health. Yeah. <laughs> so Chase, one of the things that's that's really interesting, like you know, the three of us are sitting here, we're having a pretty open conversation about burnout and, and kind of what we're thinking about and how we're feeling and everything about it. How do you take that and get your team to do it? You know, like it's it's very much a very tricky because like nobody wants to be the person that's sitting in the room being like, oh no, like this is too much, right? Like nobody wants to say no especially customer service people who are like trained, like we, we hire people for that empathy for that. Like we want to say yes kind of thing. Um, so when it comes to like your automatic teams, now, how, how are you making sure that um, everyone's able to talk about kind of their limits and, and where burnout is happening and all? Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the great things about automatic is that we're super open, um, you know, within the company and that kind of thing. So uh, you know, people, at least me and, and people that I've you know worked with directly are just open to talking about that. I think it's because you know from the top down we're just super transparent about things that are going on in the company, um, things that you know may be good, things that may be bad, um, and so I think that sort of just is infused with the culture, if you will, of, of automatic is just being open and willing to ask the hard questions. Um, and that kind of thing. You know, sometimes somebody will bring up something, and um, we may not all agree on whatever is being brought up, but we're able to have that discussion openly because, you know, there's that level of trust, um, with between all of us and that kind of thing. So, um, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, just the culture of the company and what's, um, I guess seen as, as normal or, uh, abnormal, um, either one. Um, so I think that, you know, for, for me at automatic, that's one of the big things, uh, is just the openness and the trust that, that we all have. Chase, can I ask you just sort of a follow-up on that? What, in what forum do you feel like people can kind of open up questions? Because I, I find that certain organizations are just waiting for which meeting is the right meeting where I can ask like sort of a general question, you know, yeah, yeah. To have this like narrow agenda. So one of the great things that uh, Matt, our CEO does is we have a monthly town hall. Um, oh, okay. And so he is um, obviously just 
essentially answering questions. I mean, he, you know, gives updates on things and, and all that, just like any, you know, good CEO would, but then essentially it's, you know, an hour or two of just answering questions that people submit. Um, and it's, you know, pretty interesting. The, the questions that some people uh, submit, you know, they, a lot of people don't hold anything back, which is awesome. Um, and I think that empowers other people within the company to feel like that they don't have to hold anything back. Um, because, you know, Matt, uh, sort of just provides the, um, the culture and the, the openness and, you know, that kind of thing to, to allow us to ask those kinds of questions. He's not mad about it. He's not, you know, weird about it, anything like that. Um, and so I think it definitely starts with, you know, whoever's at the top. Uh, and, and since he, you know, allows that kind of thing, then it, it just sort of trickles down throughout the rest of the organization. That's great. Yeah, I think it, it, having it set at the top is so critically important. You know, with Basecamp, Jason and David do a fantastic job about being open with, with pretty much everything, whether it's um, why we're choosing to do this over that, why this person was hired, why this person was let go, why we're, why we're moving in this direction. Like, they're very, very open about that. Um, with with meetups, even, like, we have this block of time at every meetup where kind of like similar to, to – um, Chase was mentioning, like they go through and, and take questions and, and kind of uh, give you a chance to not grill them, but, you know, to, to you know, just ask some questions. Uh, we also use a, a really great app called uh, Know Your Company, which Basecamp used to own, then we spun it off into its own company. Um, but Know Your Company sends out regular questions via email to everyone on your, your team, and then they can reply to whatever, you know, you're curious about. So, you know, it might be a question this week about what's one thing that we could do better as a company, or it might be a question about, um, do you think we handle burnout well as a company and, and kind of, you know, that private channel directly over to your, uh, your CEO and, and kind of company leadership just makes for these kind of conversations. It makes these kind of conversations easier, um, and more likely to happen. Uh, and Camille, I, I'm really curious, you know, as you're, you're growing your, your team, like what are some, because we talk about it being culture and being, you know, the leadership, you know, them kind of setting the, the role model and all that. Like how are, how are you setting the stage for that kind of openness and transparency as your, as your team keeps growing? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I, you know, I'm really, really still trying to think it through. Um, I mean, the first order of business is really to just develop a, a good rapport with the direct reports. And, um, you know, part of that is in the one-on-ones, but part of that is just day-to-day. You know, if somebody tells me um, something's going on, with, you know, at home or something like that, checking in, circling back. And um, so people know that I care, that I remembered what they told me last time so that when something else comes up, when something comes up, they know they can come to me. Like that there's a relationship of trust. Um, really, that's, that's really key for me. Um, beyond that, like, you know, oops, um, yeah, beyond that, like I, uh, I'm still thinking it through. So I'd really sort of, uh, turn it over to the two of you in terms of how to promote that, especially at the kind of mid manager level, because, you know, it's easy if you're a CEO, you can kind of just sprinkle, sprinkle, like, you know, all the, the good culture that you want to, and, you know, unbounded in some ways except for maybe by your investors or something but um at the middle level um you know if stuff comes up it can be hard and you know it's it's hard because you I, i'm looking to set a particular culture within my team because i have control there mm-hmm. um and and the hope i guess is that you know if we have some best practices that we develop and we've had that on this several teams in our organization now where they're like okay we're going to set some good practices here and hope they can permeate throughout the organization um, 
Yeah, I think one of the the big things that we've done, um, kind of at that middle level you were talking about, and even down to like some actual things that just you as a regular employee can can do here. Um, we have a, um, a space set up in, in our Basecamp account. It's just a project in there. You can literally do this with any project management app out there or Evernote or any other product, right? It's a space. Um, and we call it Care Camp. And inside there goes everything from um, like cookbooks and workout um, exercise ideas and things like that, all the way to articles on burnout and articles on um, like Camille. As soon as your talk went up, we added it, you know, into that because having a space for these resources and having a space for the team generally to talk about uh, these kind of things, like that's a a huge um, step toward making sure those conversations happen. Um, one-on-ones are great. Um, they're really great for developing that trust that you talk about, but, um, kind of as the, um, not counterpart really, but like as the thing to go along with that is having these conversations out in an open space with the rest of your team, like, uh, giving them, just giving them a space to talk about this kind of stuff. And when you have a dedicated space like that, you'll find, at least we found like these conversations actually do happen. Um, mm-hmm. having all these resources right there at your hand, um, helps you to know more and to grow more and to be more informed about talking about these things. Um, the burnout inventory that we mentioned earlier, that was one of those things where it was in our care camp. We were able to read through and kind of think about where we were in relation to that, that inventory. And then when we talk about burnout, like we, um, we just had a team retreat for the support team a couple of weeks ago. We had a, a whole session devoted toward burnout. So when we talked about it, we knew how to talk about it. We knew the, the words to use and the way to frame things and, and to have that conversation. Um, so I think that's something that like, you know, middle level team leads can do, but I think it's something like anybody can do. Anybody can go in and set up a space and start adding resources there and, you know, kind of starting that conversation. So for our listeners, like don't think that you have to be the CEO or that you have to be the VP or team lead or anything like that. Like you can do this with your team because I guarantee you other people in your company are dealing with these same questions and just waiting for somebody to have that space. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'd be, I'd definitely be interested if um, I don't know where people give feedback. If they call in or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, whether people feel emboldened to do this at the org, because I definitely know that um, I am the person that since we don't have that, uh, or I, I haven't experienced having that in a lot of orgs, that I I'll just wedge in my concerns at like whatever public forum like I can get myself into, and people are like, this meeting is about where we're going for lunch, not, about like your, <laughs> not Festivus. Yeah. You know, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard. And I think, um, you know, I'd be interested to see whether I, my experiences are unique or whether a lot of people feel like there's not like a general form to do this. Um, Cause you know, you can have an org with 70 Slack channels and none of them are about like a general, you know, that's one of the things I love about support driven Slack is that there's like events go in there and it's, it's hard to do that on an org level sometimes because somebody else might feel attacked or or you know otherwise and also the good news channel i love that when you're just like i'm going to drop in and say this amazing thing happened and you know, i i just have to think that a lot of those things get dropped into support driven in lieu of the org page you know or the org slack or or wherever the org communicates you know hip chat wherever um because they don't have a place to do it or maybe that people won't get it, you know? So I'm curious to know. 
Yeah, make sure. So for our listeners, make sure to let us know it's support. Uh, it's hello at supportops.co. You can hit us up on Twitter. Um, we're, we're at supportops there. I think DMs are open, so you can DM us too on there. If they're not, they will be by the time you listen to this because I'm going to double check as soon as we get off the, uh, the recording. Um, Chase, how the same question over to Automatic because I mean, Automatic is a much bigger company. Um, you know, lots of different um, ways that, that people could, could kind of talk about uh, issues like this. So outside of those town halls that you're talking about with, uh, with Matt, like what's some other ways that say like, like Andrew Spittle, you know, your support team guy um, lead has like, what's some ways that they have kind of fostered this space to talk about this stuff? Well, we do have happiness town halls. Um, so <laughs> that, but you know, other than I that, love it. We, it's like you get a town hall. You get yeah, a town hall. Well, you, yeah. You. Things are so big now that even each uh, each sort of big group of teams within the the organization sort of have their own town halls. Um, maybe not necessarily monthly, but quarterly or something like that. Um, but anyway, no, I think um, you know Andrew's good about that kind of thing too. He we don't have like scheduled one-on-ones. Obviously that would be impossible for him to do that with each, um, you know, happiness engineer at this point with over a hundred of them. Um, but he's always available and, and, you know, ready to chat. Um, if somebody has something they need to talk about, obviously, um, it's not like you have to, you know, schedule a time to, to chat with him or anything like that. He's pretty, you know, open and available. And I think he does that on purpose. Um, to make sure that, you know, his day is not so packed with other things that he doesn't have time to, um, be there for the people that, that work under him, which is essentially his job, you know, is, is to um, work for and, and with us to, you know, accomplish the same goal. Um, and so I think that's one of the big things uh, that the happiness town halls, obviously where, you know, we can ask those same kinds of questions um, are another thing. Um, and I think between the two of those, you know, it's pretty, pretty easy for us as um, happiness engineers, you know, run of the mill happiness engineers, if you will, I guess, with, without anything special or any preferential treatment for anybody, whether they, you know, are a veteran or have, you know, just started at the company, they all have the same access and the same ability to, you know, talk to Andrew or, or even Matt, um, you know, in that case, if they you know have a concern or anything like that. Um, and if not, obviously you can, you know, team leads are always happy to sort of proxy and, and filter that information for you. If it's not something you're comfortable with. Um, I know, Anne, my team lead is great about that. Um, if she hears of something that, um, is a, a problem for us, um, she's more than willing to, you know, be the, the spokesperson for our team and, and, you know, take that to whoever it needs to be taken to. And she's not afraid to do that, which is awesome. You know, some people just aren't as you know forthcoming with, with some things as, as others. And so the fact that she's able to do that for, for that person is, you know, a big win. Yeah, absolutely. So we're running up against the uh, the end of the show here, but I want to get Camille uh, him for for one last question here. So Camille, when somebody comes up to you um, and kind of like we done, it's like, oh, you gave a fantastic talk on burnout, and like you you were just great, and and I want to know where I can um, find more resources about this kind of thing. So we've mentioned the burnout inventory already, but what kind of like, where are you looking for resources? Um, like when you were putting together your talk and, and, uh, writing the help scout article and all that, like what, what kind of sources were you going to, to learn more about burnout and, and how to kind of help manage it with the team? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I mean, a lot of it is really mine for my life, as you saw in the talk. It was really just like hard knock life lessons. Um, I, uh, a friend of mine also called Camille because the best people are called Camille. Um, Camille it's Poirier. like the best guys are called Chase. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, C names, especially. <laughs> it's, it starts with C, ends with E. It's all good. 
Um, yeah, my friend Camille Fournier uh, is, has been a tech manager for a long time. She was CTO at a company called Rent the Runway, and she's, um, she has a book coming out in a couple of weeks called The Manager's Path. But she, you know, I've, I've long talked to her about leadership within the tech space, and um, she has a great uh, blog called Ask the CTO that she puts out. Um, uh, you know, a lot of good advice there. Also, Kate Houston, who works over at Automatic, uh, writes a lot about tech leadership. She's in the mobile side at Automatic. Um, and I really like her blog. And also just, she's a friend of mine and love picking her brain about how to, you know, because we are, we're, especially as women in tech, we think a lot about improving the culture for everyone, you know, and how can people kind of bring their whole selves to work. Um, you know, I mentioned that blog post at Intercom. Also, that came out after my post, but Intercom, I find, Inter between Intercom and, and Help Scout put out really good, um, really good content. Also, you know, the, again, just shouts, shouts out to also to the, you know, the leadership at Basecamp. There's a lot of really just like brutally honest stuff on the, that, that blog. Um, it was called something work. Some work, I think. Uh, I know they put out that book rework, and it was DHH and mm-hmm. Jason. Yeah, they just were really honest about like the process of running a company and stuff like that. So you know, really, a lot of the things are about because I'm you know I'm fairly new manager in tech and um, just drawing on all those resources. And there's a you know loads of management books, and also you know um, I originally started in tech and open source and there's a lot of great, uh, I used to work for a guy called Carl Fogel and he wrote a book called producing open source software. And there's just a lot of solid tips about working with people, you know, just working with people, building a community. So, um, those are, yeah, those are some things I've read throughout life, uh, that helped me have the life experiences to write that talk. <laughs> yeah. Another year or so we're going to have the, the Camille story and it's going to be all those hard knock lives in a book that you can buy on the Amazon. It's going to be fantastic. I, mean, I don't know about a year. I have more adventures. <laughs> I've got, I have a lot of more adventures. To about. Yeah, maybe part one. <laughs> Multi-part. All right. So that's our take on this one. Like we mentioned earlier, let us know what you think, how you're handling it with your team and how you're talking about things. You can email us, hello at supportops.co, or you can hit us up on Twitter. We're at supportops there. Uh, thanks again to Camille. You've been fantastic. This was her, uh, we found out before the show, this was her first podcast. So Yay. we were so excited for that. So thanks for killed that. It. She killed it. Thank you. This is amazing. Thanks again to our listeners. And until we see you again next time, have an awesome week.